Hi, welcome to the Accidental Marketer podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, and I'm joined by my partner and co-author of the Accidental Marketer, Tom Spitali, and Sean Wellam, who heads up our European operation for our consulting firm, Impact Planning Group. Hi, Tom. Hi, Sean. Hi, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey. So um, we you know, we have this podcast that is designed for accidental marketers, and um, often it is you, and other times it may be someone that you work with. And uh, most of them are designed to follow the chapters in our book, but we're having fun with a series also called The Mystery Topic, and each of us have taken turns at mystery topics. And so I came up with a, a mystery topic that I actually uh, cheated and talked to some of my clients and said, what should I try to stump Tom and Sean with? And so um, the mystery topic, uh, a little bit of preface on it is we all know that differentiation is critical. You need that to really grow your company. Um, however, what we find often is that companies don't differentiate. Uh, and I'm just, I am curious as to why companies don't really do it. Why don't they differentiate? Sean, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to differentiate is one thing, but there is a school of thought. Um, I'm going to try and remember the guy's name. There was a guy called Harold Hotelling was his name. And he came up with this concept of minimal differentiation. And his argument was that it was, it was the natural state to not be differentiated. You know, you have to push hard to avoid the trap of always being the same. And he did a really uh, interesting thought experiment where he looked at um, ice cream sellers on a beach. And he went like this, if you had a beach and an ice cream seller and parked at each end of the beach, they would both have 50% of the market because, you know, nobody would walk further than they had to. But one of them says, if I move a quarter of the way down a beach, I'm going to be nearer for more people on the beach than the guy at the right at the end. So he then grabs an extra bit of market share. Then the other guy sees him do that and moves his closer. And they keep doing this until they're right next to each other. And their only difference is price because there's no more geographical difference between them. And his point was that it's rational and normal for companies to match each other's strategic moves when it comes to differentiation until ultimately they are metaphorically standing next to each other. So he, he had an argument that said, you know, try as you might, it's it's only ever a temporary fix. And therefore, differentiation is not a, a an end state, but a continual effort and i think that's what we see in mature markets people are so used to competing with each other they they're they're matching they're watching and and, and matching you, you don't gain that that long advantage hmm. i like that ice cream tom what do you what do you think why, why do you think that they don't differentiate yeah i think i agree with sean that there's some natural forces uh, operating against differentiation i think part part of the the thing in b2b markets where we normally operate is that especially in more technical and like pharmaceutical products, it, it takes a while to get a product from conception to market and things are changing so fast and, you know, competitive reconnaissance is so strong these days. I think a lot of times what you find is what you thought you had as a real blockbuster, a really differentiated product when you first conceived of it, by the time you get it to market, uh, it is not so, <laughs> or it's, you know, just, just minimally differentiated. So I think that's one of the problems, but I think the other problem is just more human. Um, 
And that is that I think whenever we decide to work for a company, we become very naturally proponents of that company. And we tend to look at it through our lens, inside out rather than outside in, and think that we just basically do everything better than the competitors. And that certainly our customers will see it that way if we just get the product to market. So I think there's this, you know, this, this inwardly uh, focused bias that is also something that we as a company work really hard to get our clients out of, but nonetheless, it's really a very real phenomenon. Mm, wow. Um, how, do they, how do they turn that around then? I mean, given that, um, you know, that it is hard, there's a natural state. Um, by the time you get to market, sometimes, you know, the markets move past you or it's, uh, you know, it's, it's inward focused. What are some ways that you find that companies can overcome these, these uh, obstacles to be able to actually do that then? You know, one of the, one of the things that, that people come up against is, is there's, there's really two dimensions that dictate how you're able to compete. And one is the costs that you incur offering your product or service. And the other one is the, the amount of value that you're adding to the customer, the, the benefits, if you want simple term. So you, you want to add as much value to the customer as you can, but you're always constrained by the amount of money you can spend doing that, right? Um, best in class, you could have, it doesn't matter if the quality of the, of the product, you could have first class plane travel versus budget plane travel but as long as you're the best in class you're you're squeezing out the most value for the the minimum cost um and ultimately everyone competes on the same way whether they know it or not and i think one of the ways they can break out of that is is maybe with a little bit of radical thinking rather than saying how can we squeeze the nth dollar of value and deliver the nth or reduce the cost by nth dollar and and compete incrementally sometimes i'm not saying this is the only way or even the, the best way of doing it but sometimes you've got to take a step back and and blow the doors off and think what if we spent more money what, what could we add in terms of value or what value could we offer to the customers that they would really appreciate and and what would that cost us if you're working within two constraints always then everyone who, who also does that will com- create the same products and services you know sometimes you have to look over the over the horizon a bit and say, you know, how can we do that? So I'm all for a bit of radical thinking, um, not not as a, a standard go-to, but as a certainly as an option. You know, you can be too timid, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. How do you do that? And, you know, we work with a lot of um, corporate B2B, you know, industrial pharma, medical device. Um, a lot of times um, radical isn't um, appreciated or even encouraged. I mean, it, it might be something that they say, oh, yeah, we need to do that, but they don't really believe that. You know, it's too countercultural. How do you, how, you know, in the, in the spirit of why don't they differentiate and why don't they get more radical, why is that? I mean, can you, can you break that paradigm of the culture, Tom? Do you, what do you think? I, I, I think you can. It's, it's certainly not easy. I think the bigger problem, Mary, is that people give up far too soon when it comes to differentiation because they have a far too narrow view of what differentiation is. When they think about creating some kind of a differential advantage, they tend to think just very narrowly about the product. And as we've seen in many cases, it's very, very difficult and it takes a long time to take an actual physical product and add some kind of quality to it that the competitors don't have. But I think part of what 
our message is to the marketplace is that innovation and differentiation comes from so many different ways than just looking at the product. I mean, your route to market, I mean, just, you know, the influencers and, 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 the, and, and, and who, you know, who you uh, sell through and to, um, how you segment your market, how you target, you know, how you position and communicate, how you price, how you think about the services, if you will, that surround a product and the layers the whole product uh, entails. I think those are all the ways that, you know, people can look to differentiate and they oftentimes don't turn over all of those rocks. You see it the same, Mary? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I like what you said about giving up too soon. Um, also, I, it feels like, okay, I got the answer. Let's go to market now. And, um, and that belief that they have the answer is, is scary. It kind of ties back to what Sean said too, especially if you have a new product that's taking a little while to get to market. Um, the market shifts and you aren't continuing to shift with it and, um, and not keeping your mind open about some of the new routes or some of the new needs that customers have, or even new things that come out on the market that they don't realize are now part of that competitive set they hadn't originally and um, thought through. So maybe that's some of it too. Sean, any thoughts on that? You know, I, I think there's, um, okay, I'll commit heresy now and say sometimes you don't want to differentiate, not traditionally, because there's less scope for success. It's not a universal law that you must differentiate, or at least not in the product offering basis. I like to think of differentiation in two spheres. You've got product differentiation and, and all the stuff that goes along with that, you know, faster battery life, easier access, longer maintenance, all the things that would make your product different and better. We've also got that that sort of judgmental differentiation you know the fact that you your product is available it's it's both mentally and physically available you've got good market presence you've got lots of people using it and all that sort of stuff and sometimes when we think of differentiation it, it can mean how do we differentiate our position not just our product and i know that's what we teach all of the time but i, I sometimes think that how we describe differentiation uh, at least in, in in superficial terms can have people think, how do I make my product better or how do I launch, you know, create the better mousetrap? And what we're really saying is, no, you've, you've really got two sorts of differentiation. Yeah, you've got the product, but you've also got that that less easily quantifiable, which, which puts you more into sort of the branding territory, doesn't it? It's more into that availability, positioning, what comes to mind when you think of us. Those are all dimensions you can work on too to create differentiation. It doesn't always have to be product differentiation, right? Yeah, that's somewhat, well, a little bit what Tom's saying, but I think you're also kind of um, becoming a little bit more controversial in saying sometimes you don't want to differentiate or at least the product. Tom, what do you, uh, how do you see what's, what Sean's saying? <laughs> well, I think at the end of the day, um, you, 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 and I think Sean, your, 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 your point is just a little bit dramatic, just because I think you're saying is there's, you have to differentiate in some way. It's just not always around the product. I mean, the, the things that you brought up, availability, uh, you know, comfort with the, the brand. There's a lot of people using it or a big network. You know, to me, and I think you're saying this, all of those things are ways that you can differentiate. It doesn't necessarily respond, you know, or reflect um, the, the actual physical product. Um, yeah, ex exactly that. So just to clarify, that's what I'm saying. When, when I said it, it was for dramatic effect, don't differentiate if you think differentiation means you've got to build a better mousetrap. Right. 
differentiation is i think if you can build a better mousetrap by all means go for it right but it's just getting harder and harder to do i mean exactly i I do business you know yeah how do you improve salt you know somebody makes salt we make salt how do you improve salt 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 water's water there's some things that that don't lend themselves and it's really that's the message tom you're absolutely right it's not don't differentiate clearly i'm saying don't think of differentiation in one dimension in, in product differentiation, because that's that can be frustrating. Because you can think, how how can we make our salt saltier? <laughs> you well, it's, can't. it's not. It's it's even. I think it's moving beyond. I mean, it's maybe again a function of the times, but beyond salt. I mean, the, when's the last time there was a truly block, uh, you know, a true blockbuster in the pharmaceutical market? <laughs> you know, all of the the pharma companies are really struggling with the fact that there's just a very, you know, their their products all have to compete on the margins. Versus being something that's truly, um, you know, a step change in in some kind of disease category. Right, right. No, this is this is great. Um, so, really, looking back on the question of, you know, why don't companies differentiate? Um, you know, we so we found some of the barriers to it. We also came up with some ideas on ways that. Um, you can actually think different. And like, like you said, Sean, not one dimensional um, and really looking beyond broadening the way that you're looking at, um, at why companies don't. And I do think personally that it does go back to some of the culture too, is, is either, you know, we can't go too far out because, you know, that's not the way our company thinks. Or the other thing is, is, well, we think we're really differentiated. You know, we, 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 we think we have it and there's this false belief. So probably being able to measure differentiation um, through the customer's eyes constantly is, is probably the true north of this. But being able to have the company aligned around it is, is part of it. Um, ta- well, I, think that's the, I think that's the thing, Mary. You, you've, you've hit the nail on the head where it's differentiation from the customer's perspective because we can often – get wrapped around the axle thinking how do we differentiate our product into this you know we think of it from our own terms and that's one of the as we've said all consistently through these episodes and also in the, in the classroom you know the the, the the cornerstone of marketing is getting customer insight is understanding the customer and that's where the differentiation has to sit and sometimes if we're too caught up maybe if you're a very technical engineering focused type of business you get caught up in the the technical aspects of a product, but yeah, differentiation has to be defined by the customer mm-hmm. and understanding the customer gives you a better shot at, at figuring out what differences you might want to present. Yeah. Yeah. Tom. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. We like to call it the cold shower of reality when we're trying to get our, our clients um, to think clearly in this way, think through the eyes of the customer. As I mentioned before, you tend to, when you work for a company, think you're superior in everything. And so the discipline that's required, maybe the very first step that's required, is to get real about what customers really think about you and competitors' uh, offerings, whether it be the core product or the services around it or your brand. Uh, And that's not easy. That's why we call it the cold shower. But you first have to face that reality um, and be dealing from that basis before you can begin to have real uh, progress towards making you know change and, and, and differentiating in a way that's meaningful. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for answering my question today. Um, and a great discussion. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed our our. Um, 
this podcast, the mystery podcast in this case, and any topics that you would love to have us address, we, we would appreciate hearing from you. Uh, thank you and good luck.